It's Monday, April the 4th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, alleged war crimes in Bucha and Russia strikes Odessa. First, the world in brief. There is growing condemnation of war crimes alleged to have been committed by Russian troops in areas they temporarily held, including reports, verified by The Economist, of what appeared to be summary executions around the town of Bucha. Hundreds of bodies are reported to have been found. Some have now been buried in mass graves. Poland's Prime Minister called it an act of genocide. Antonio Guterres, the United Nations Secretary-General, called for an investigation into the killings. Britain and France promised to work with the International Criminal Court. Russia's Defence Ministry insisted that photos of corpses were a, quote, provocation by the Ukrainian government. In response to the atrocities, Charles Mitchell, the President of the European Council, said more sanctions were imminent. Germany's defence minister called for an EU ban on imported Russian gas. Britain's Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, promised to ramp up measures against Russia's economy. Russian missiles destroyed an oil refinery and storage facilities near the Ukrainian port city of Odessa, the main base for Ukraine's navy, according to its defence ministry. No casualties have been reported. Britain's Defence Ministry said Russia is maintaining its blockade of Ukraine's southern coast to cut off the country from new supplies. In a video address, Volodymyr Zelensky, Ukraine's president, said that Russia is now trying to capture the south of Ukraine and the Donbass region in the east. He said that Ukraine has not yet received enough anti-missile systems or aircraft from its western allies. Russia's chief negotiator, said on Sunday that peace talks with Ukraine had not progressed enough for a leaders' meeting. Other news Imran Khan, Pakistan's cricket star-turned-prime minister, pitched the country into constitutional chaos. As he faced a no-confidence vote in Parliament on Sunday, one of Mr Khan's deputies preemptively scuttled the motion, decrying it as a foreign plot, and another dissolved Parliament. Mr Khan called for fresh elections. The opposition, which the army may now support, swore to fight in the Supreme Court. Viktor Orban, Hungary's populist prime minister, declared victory in the country's general election. It will be the fourth term for Mr Orban, who has clashed with the EU and stayed on relatively good terms with Vladimir Putin. Cabinet ministers in Sri Lanka resigned en masse. The government has blocked social media access and imposed a curfew in an attempt to contain public unrest triggered by an economic crisis. Carrie Lam said she would not seek a second term later this year as Hong Kong's chief executive. It was questionable whether Mrs Lam, whose administration endured months of pro-democracy rallies and then badly bungled COVID-19, would have received the necessary backing of China's Communist Party. RTE, France's electricity grid manager, asked businesses and households to cut power consumption on Monday. Cold weather has added to demand, 
just when half the country's nuclear reactors are offline. More widely, European countries are being squeezed by higher energy prices and seeking ways to reduce reliance on Russian gas. Tesla delivered 310,000 electric cars in the first three months of the year, more than any previous quarter. Elon Musk, the chief executive, tweeted that the quarter had been, quote, exceptionally difficult because of supply chain interruptions and China's zero-COVID policy. Tesla has a big factory in Shanghai, where a partial lockdown recently began. And fact of the day. Two-thirds. The proportion by which the EU has vowed to slash imports of natural gas from Russia by the end of 2022. And now, here's today's agenda. Defying gravity. Russia's economy. Russia is an international pariah. But when it comes to finance, it is continuing to cooperate with the rest of the world. On Monday, the government faces a big bond repayment. Most people are expecting it to be honoured. Most companies are also keeping up with their dues even if the recipients are hated investors in America or the European Union. Bond repayments are just the latest way in which the Russian economy seems strangely oblivious to what is going on around it. Having collapsed in the early days of the invasion, the ruble has appreciated steeply in recent weeks. The banking system looks solid. And the real economy is doing strangely well. A weekly measure suggests that GDP is currently 5% higher than it was a year ago. With revenues from oil and gas exports continuing to flow in, Russia's economy could continue to defy gravity for some time yet. Turmoil in Sri Lanka In a bid to quell mass protests, Gotabaya Rajapaksa, Sri Lanka's unpopular president, over the weekend declared a 36-hour curfew, deployed the military and blocked access to social media. Public fury is mounting over his mismanagement of the worst economic crisis in decades. Mr Rajapaksa, an ex-soldier who assumed office in 2019, promising, quote, vistas of prosperity and splendour, has delivered anything but. Post-election tax cuts caused an estimated revenue loss of 2% of GDP. An overnight agrochemicals ban ravaged harvests. Even as COVID-19 eroded crucial inflows from tourism, a currency peg at an overvalued rate rerouted foreign remittances to unofficial channels. Foreign reserves dropped by 70% in two years. Without sufficient fuel for power stations, rolling electricity cuts were introduced in February. When these extended to 13 hours last week, public protests intensified. With all 26 of his cabinet ministers resigning on Sunday, it remains uncertain what Mr Rajapaksa's next step will be. The IPCC assesses solutions to climate change. Political wrangling over the third volume of the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change's report for 2022 finally concluded on Sunday night, more than two full days late, 
as governments and scientists battled over how to present the state of climate science. The previous two IPCC volumes confirmed that the climate is changing faster and the consequences are worse than previously expected. Dubbed the quote, Solutions Report, this third part will focus on how to stabilise temperatures by 2100. It is almost certain to say that preventing more than 1.5 degrees Celsius of global warming, as per the Paris Agreement, is not an impossible task, but an extremely difficult one that requires rapid, dramatic reduction in fossil fuel use, leaving governments with some difficult choices. IPCC reports need approval from 195 governments. The extension of discussions on the third volume, which are due to conclude on Friday, is an indication of just how politically fraught climate science has become. News for Kids The BBC's News Round, a daily bulletin aimed at 6-12 to 12 year olds, turns 50 on Monday. The show has acted as a model for other public service broadcasters, with a child-friendly but candid take on the news. Its approach of, quote, honest reassurance has been deployed in coverage of the war in Ukraine, a harrowing enough subject for adults. Producers visit schools to test out terms and concepts, from, quote, Vladimir Putin to, quote, Russia, and see what young viewers want to know. Reaching children at home is getting harder. On-demand viewing means they can skip to the fun programmes, rather than having to sit through the news as their parents did. So most children now see news round at school, where three quarters of primary teachers use its bulletins in the classroom. When the news is so grim, that isn't easy. But knowledge is empowering, argues the programme's editor, Lewis James. Quote, Children are most disturbed when there's an information vacuum. Monday Profile Ginny Thomas, Conservative Crusader Genteel and folksy, favouring pearls and sweater sets, she does not seem the type to subvert an election. But there Ginny Thomas was at the rally before the fateful Capitol riot on January 6th, 2021, claiming Donald Trump had won the presidency. By text to Mark Meadows, Mr Trump's chief of staff, she inveighed against the, quote, greatest heist of our history. Those messages, recently leaked, reveal Mrs Thomas to be a full-throated conspiracist. They have also embroiled her husband, Clarence Thomas, a Supreme Court justice, in a row over judicial ethics. Born in Omaha, Nebraska, Mrs Thomas was raised by well-to-do Republicans. Her mother ran unsuccessfully for the state legislature and served as a party foot soldier. After law school, she made for Washington, fighting legislation for unpaid leave and gender pay parity while at the Chamber of Commerce. Justice Thomas, whose first marriage ended in divorce, has called Ginny a, quote, gift from God. Allegations of sexual harassment made his confirmation hearings in 1991 a hellish ordeal. Quote, trial by fire, in her words. It brought them closer and steeled them from future attacks. 
Her activism on abortion, affirmative action and much else has long drawn criticism given her husband's job. In 2009, she started a lobbying firm to resist the, quote, tyranny of Barack Obama's administration. Democrats pressed Justice Thomas to recuse himself when Mr Obama's signature healthcare law came before the court, to no avail. She has batted away suggestions that her work influences his. Other judges' spouses are also, quote, out there causing trouble, she told Fox News. But to legal experts, the mere appearance of bias is problematic. Supreme Court justices must recuse themselves if their, quote, impartiality might be reasonably questioned. Those decisions are theirs to make, however. Justice Thomas recently took part in a case about whether Mr Trump could shield White House records related to the riot. He was the only dissenter from the court's decision, ordering Mr Trump to turn them over. Q calls in Congress for a binding ethics code with beefier guidance on recusals. Congressional investigators want to interview Mrs Thomas about her role in the effort to overturn the election. Unsurprisingly, she calls their inquiry a sham. Her mistrust and suspicion are unlikely to abate. Quote, We are living in a diminished state of liberty right now, and freedom has never been this fragile, she warned back in 2010 at a gathering of conservatives. Quote, You either see what I'm seeing, or you don't see it all. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day. On Friday, your challenge is to give all five answers and tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 5pm GMT on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Monday. Which 1990s pop group had hits such as 5678 and Stomp? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Martin Luther King Jr., who died on this day in 1968. Our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter. That's it from the Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app, or by asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. 